Kathy Zaka. Hi, I'm Susan Offen. And I'm Laura Potter. And we're your host today for Pure Truth. We want to welcome you to our podcast and thank you for listening. Today, our topic will be the armor of God. And our scripture for today is from Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Finally, brothers and sisters, draw your strength and might from God. Put on the full armor of God and protect yourselves from the devil and his evil schemes. We're not waging war against enemies of flesh and blood alone. Nope. This fight is against tyrants, against authorities, against supernatural powers and demon princes that slither in the darkness of this world, and against wicked spiritual armies that lurk about in heavenly places. And this is why you need to be head to toe in the full armor of God so you can resist during these evil days and be fully prepared to hold your ground. Yes, stand truth banded around your waist, righteousness as your chest plate, and feet protected in the preparation to proclaim the good news of peace. Don't forget to raise the shield of faith above all else, so you'll be able to extinguish the flaming spears hurled at you from the wicked one. Take also the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray always. Pray in the Spirit. Pray about everything, in every way you know how. And keeping all this in mind, pray on behalf of God's people. Keep on praying feverishly and be on the lookout until evil has been stayed. That is so good. Yeah. That is good. That's from the voice translation, by the yeah, way. That's, that's really good. Yeah, yes, it good. is. All right. So for the past several weeks, we've been talking about decreeing and declaring the things of God, the new wineskins, and how to equip ourselves to walk in these new wineskins. And the more we prepare for the new thing that God is doing, the more the enemy is preparing to attack so that he can stop what God's doing. So we must be even more prepared to counter the enemy's attack. So today, we're going to go into great detail about the armor of God and how to be well prepared and equipped to put a stop to the enemy. And Laura's going to get us started today. So this is the the full armor of God that's described in the Bible. The armor is an illustration in the Bible that reminds Christians about the reality of spiritual battle and describes the protection available to them. Each piece of the armor has a distinct purpose and means of defense against temptation and evil. So here's, here's the list of the armor of God. We've got the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's good. So we're going to start with the belt of truth. In Ephesians 6.14, it says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. So some translations use a phrase like, Having girded your loins with truth. That's in the New American Standard Bible. And the term loin isn't commonly used today, but it refers to the lower back and includes the groin area. Now, in ancient days, men would wear long robes that would, you know, get in the way of work or fighting. So they would wrap up the long draping material. And this was, this is what they called girding up the loins. Yeah. You know, they tuck Mm -hmm. up their, their skirts, basically. Right, exactly. You know, the Lord knew our loins needed to be wrapped in truth regardless of our culture of our time, and the Lord has seen all of our paths and how they hurt, and they've derailed us. Yeah, He knows Mm -hmm. that we need truth. Absolutely. Our identity is more than our sexuality, right? But this is one facet of our lives that we often view as a definer. The first area of life in which the enemy frequently attempts to rattle is our sense of identity, you know, and and who we are. 
Aren't right. we noticing that today? Oh, yeah. yeah. Identity is really being Right, attacked. right. Yeah. And the things pertaining to sex are easy pickings for him. We need freedom regarding sexuality. We need the truth firmly in our minds to remind us of who we are. And only Jesus is the truth that sets us free in this area of our lives. Every other piece of the full armor of God is attached to this belt of truth. You see, everything is attached to it. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you don't begin with truth, you'll never defeat the enemy. Right. And Jesus said God's word is true. In John 17, 17, it says, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. That's good. Yeah, you know, if you're a Christian, you're in a battle whether you realize it or not. Yeah. The battle is for your mind, your spirit, and ultimately your life. And the Apostle Paul warned us about this ongoing conflict in several of his epistles, but perhaps most importantly, his letter to the believers in Ephesus, yeah. where he also describes our strategy for winning the battle. Mm-hmm. The strategy has to do with the armor we wear, as you said, Laura, as we enter into warfare with the enemy of our souls. Yes. I so wish I was taught this oh, yeah. when I, I was younger. Me too. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, so I, here. I remember them talking about it, you know, in yeah. church and stuff, but I don't remember the importance of it, the significance of it, right, and how it it's how God to, says it. How to we, apply how it. We read about it in the Bible, but it wasn't described in detail to us to right. how to actually arm ourselves. Exactly. And yeah. know you have the authority. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So in Ephesians six thirteen through eighteen it describes this strategy as the six pieces of armor as Laura has already mentioned. It's important to not pray as a beggar, but as a warrior for the King of Kings. Amen. I love the idea of how Laura takes her actual sword out and swings it in prayer time. <laughs> she's, she's told us that she does this. She has an actual sword. I'm breaking down stronghold. That's yes. right. <laughs> it up. It's so important how we approach prayer. In fact, critical. We need to approach fighting warfare prayer as if we're claiming our legal rights. Yes. We have an enemy seeking to steal, kill, and destroy us. Right. You know, I heard Pastor Chris Hodges say in his sermon this past weekend, a person can say, well, I just don't believe that, that there's a battle, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, well, that doesn't mean that the battle isn't still there. Right. right. So you can ignore it or want to fight. Right. 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 We have the power in prayer over the enemy. Yes. So I'm going to talk about the belt of truth in a little bit different light. Mm-hmm. Than you did it, Laura, but it refers to the belt that harnessed his soldiers' weapons to his body. Today's soldiers are outfitted with a combat harness, a modern version of the Roman soldier's belt that serves the same function. It allows them to carry all their needed equipment in a confined space under combat conditions. This harness includes pouches for extra ammo, grenades, a canteen, a radio or satellite phone, and other items such as medical supplies or personal articles. For the Christian, this combat harness is truth. I love that. Paul says, Stand, therefore, have girded your waist with truth. This particular combat harness is important because of the nature of our enemy. Satan is determined to hinder God's work in our lives. Satan is like a roaring lion seeking someone to destroy. He is a liar from the beginning, a deceiver, a serpent. He's the accuser of the brethren. Whatever he says to us is a distortion. Yep. And John 8 says that Satan's a liar and that there's no truth in him. He comes at us with deception, sham, trickery, and falsity. He wants to entangle us. We can see this in our world right now, how he's blurring the values of right and wrong in our society. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's awful. Yeah. 
We see how his propaganda machine, today's entertainment media, glorifies immorality and ridicules biblical values. Yep. That means we need to be learners of the truth and follow through with implementing it in our lives. You know, I, I just want to stop real quick because yeah. when you described that belt that modern day soldiers, like my son, he's in the army, you know, right. wears something like that. Every little compartment holds something yes. they need, right? Mm-hmm. And I just thought every area of our lives need to be have a compartment for truth. Yes. To battle that area of our lives that That's we're good. either tempted or the enemy's trying to destroy us. But you should have truth tucked in your belt of for every area of your life. Right. Well, it's thinking about it. You know, when the enemy throws his arrows at, at you, which he does, and uh-huh. sometimes it's more than one at a time, mm-hmm. you need to have those compartments to pull out of and be like, ah, deflect you there, deflect mm-hmm. you there. You here's know, God's, truth. Here's, yeah, God's here's truth. God's truth. Here's right God's truth. Right in your truth. face. Say, yeah. Not having it. Yeah. No, no, no. Behind me, no, no. Right. Beside me, no. Above yeah. me, no. When the, no. when the lies come... The truth deletes right. the enemy's lie. Right. Uh, and I mean, he starts from the minute we wake up. Our feet, oh, sure. feet yeah. aren't even on the floor yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Just, he even tries at night when we're sleeping with our dreams and right. stuff. Yep. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I agree. <laughs> well, in John fourteen six, Jesus said, I am the truth. John And John one fourteen said, he is full of grace and truth. Jesus says that God's word is truth. Yep. How do I arm myself with the belt of truth? We must know the truth, the whole counsel of God. We must know the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was thinking you were going to say. <laughs> Pretty similar, but I got hand good. on the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> yep. God wants us to know about Himself, about His Son, about eternity, and about life. He has put everything He wants us to know in the Bible. Yeah. When we study God's Word... And when we carefully learn and then apply its truth, we end up with power in our lives. One way of guarding up is to make it a priority to know the Bible well enough, like you guys just said, mm-hmm. to know where to find specific answers in Scripture yes. and pull it out when you need it. Right. The more truth you know, the better equipped you are to go into battle and be victorious. When you take God's truth and apply it to yourself, then you can embody that truth in your life and God will enable you to be victorious on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to the belt of truth. All those weapons in what is the soldier's harness, the pouches for ammo, grenades, a canteen, these weapons are found in God's word, like you said, Lord. Yeah, Yeah. that's cool. Jesus showed us how to war with God's word in the desert when Satan tempted him three times. Our Bible study teacher, Lorna, has said to us that if you know God really well, the counterfeit is easily recognizable. Mm Mm-hmm. This doesn't mean we don't hesitate to learn of Satan's ways. However, his ways are much more evident when we know who God is and his truth. Mm-hmm. For example, if you want to identify a crooked stick, the best thing you could do is lay a straight stick next to it. That's good. That's the good. same principle works when you're dealing with the deceit of Satan. If you will lay a straight stick of God's word next to what it is you're trying to discern, you'll usually be able to identify Satan's deceitful ways. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I think of like, you know, if you work at a store, you know how to tell a counterfeit dollar bill or a $100 bill usually is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, To a a real one, you know, or like an expert in diamonds, you know, they can tell what's a cubic zirconia diamond, you know, to a real genuine diamond because they've studied it so well. Right. And that's that's the way we have to be. We have to become experts in God's word. Discerning it. Yeah. 
so we know how to use it, and we can we can easily, like you said, lay in that straight stick next to a, right. a broke, right. you know, curved stick. You can tell so easily and so quickly yeah. what's a lie. Right. That's if you have God's truth in you. Right. Because the Holy Spirit will be like those little warning bells. He'll bring it up. Off. There's something not right about mm-hmm. what you just said or what you just heard right. or what you know mm-hmm. what you just read. You know, let's let's compare it to God's word. Right. Because things can sound right, but they're not well, accurate. It's the enemy we've talked about. It. He'll right. he'll go off one degree. He'll take a sentence and change up one or two words. Mm-hmm. That's false. Even right. in scripture, he, yeah. he quotes. He can quote he can scripture. Quote scripture, yeah. He's, you know. You know. Right. So I mean, that's just it. He'll 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 give you one or two little things just to deter you a little bit to get you off course, which is what's happened to our church. We've talked about all that, but and all it takes is that little bit. Because you know, we've even like we we did that one time we were talking and we thought of something and we thought that was scripture, but it wasn't. It was actually a quote from Benjamin Franklin. Yes. You know, right? And you're like, but you've heard it so many times. You think you it, just assume I've, that's. Scripture. Right. Wasn't that right. like, in the Bible? Uh, no. <laughs> I think it was the one God won't give you more than you can handle. Yes. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's not, I don't know if that's Benjamin Franklin or not, but it's something that we've heard over and over again. So we just assume that that's scripture, but until you, you know, get in you there and have study the word it. in you because then you know. Right. Because then you're right. going, wait a minute, I but, can't handle all makes- this stuff and God's. Is that what sense. it says in the word? Right, it makes sense. <laughs> God wouldn't give you more than you handle, but but then we're putting that on God, and God never said that, right? You know? But He says right. He'll be with you. He'll be with you yeah. no matter what we're going in through. Everything, right? Yes. right? And He'll give you the equipment and to be able to handle those things right. that come your way. Yes, right? right. Okay, so the next piece of armor is the breastplate of righteousness, and in that same verse fourteen, it says, "Having put on the breastplate of righteousness," and Second Corinthians five twenty one says. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. So it's important for us to visually see ourselves covered in the righteousness of God. It reminds us of who we are now in Christ. It is Jesus' blood that covers us. And when we go into the presence of God in prayer, it is the blood of God's Son that covers us, robing us in his righteousness, and allows us to go straight into the throne room of God. That's good. Yes, that is good. Some information I have about the breastplate of righteousness is that it's already been given to us. Our job is to wear it and use it with the truth of God so that it surrounds us with the protection and warfare we so desperately need. Mm -hmm. When one gets saved, God deposited deep within that person a new heart containing all the righteousness that belongs to Christ Jesus. One can't benefit from its restoring abilities unless he or she is willing to dig down to the root of truth so that God will release in one's decisions and actions a brand new person surrounded by the breastplate of his righteousness. Mm -hmm. It was by the cross and what Jesus did for us that we have the righteousness. Yes. But it takes a daily walking it out by seeking to purify ourselves by simultaneously feeding our spirit with reading the word of God. God's word is alive, and it speaks to us differently in our own life situations. This is how we mature spiritually and live right. We must be committed, though, to a life that is honest, upright, and full of integrity. When we find little ways of lying, cheating, and shading the truth, we give Satan a foothold in our hearts. We sure mm-hmm. do. That's, I can't do that. No. Nothing so demoralizes and discourages a warrior as being involved in a spiritual battle, knowing there's a problem of character and integrity in his own life. Right. Yes. The little sins we tolerate represent dangerous holes in our bulletproof mm. vests. Wow. 
you can be sure that sooner or later Satan will aim right at one of those spots. We need to resist Satan. He's on the attack. He hates worship and praise, so sing loudly (laughs) songs of worship. That's good. He can't overcome the prayers of saints, so pray. And he can't overthrow the truth, so quote the scriptures. Amen. Right? And he can't can't vanquish the joy of the Lord. He can't. He can't. That's Southern swing. (laughs) Sorry about that. I'm I'm not Southern. I don't know how that came out. (laughs) He can't vanquish the joy of the Lord. (laughs) So rejoice. Right. (laughs) And he can't divert God's grace, so use the shield of faith. We must use the weapons God has given us. Yes. Yeah. You know, when when God first called me to come to him in prayer 23 years ago, I had some confusion and misunderstanding of who I was in Christ. My identity wasn't clear. Right. And as I, you know, was more hesitant to see myself going straight to the throne room of God because I saw myself in my fleshly human state and saw God as holy. Yeah. I didn't see myself the right way. Right. It is true that I am only flesh and blood, human flawed and a sinner. But God gave me a dream to correct my thinking. And in the dream I could see my I could see everything from like I saw myself from like an aerial perspective, you know, seeing from above. Right. I saw myself on one side and God sitting on his throne on the other side. And there was this like built-up barrier that kept us separated. Mm. And I saw myself climbing over the barrier. And then once I got over the other side of the barrier, I saw a big black line with an arrow being drawn straight from where I was standing to the throne of God, like a big, strong black line arrow. He guides you. Yeah. He was guiding you. Yeah. I I, I really felt relieved when I had this dream because what God was saying was, I've made a way for you to come straight to my throne and straight into my presence. You don't have to feel like you're separated from me or I'm far from you. Nope. It's easier than you think. Yes, because it's the blood of his son that allows us to go straight Straight to the throne room of God, straight into the holy of holies. You know, like in the in the Jewish days, they had the temple and the the holy of holies was in the very center of the temple. Only the high priest could go in there. And and you were it was there was a huge veil, thick, thick curtain that separated God from from man. Right. But when Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead, that veil was torn from top to bottom. It was open for everyone to have access to the Holy of Holies. And that's what Jesus' blood did. Yes. Yes. You you. know? Thank you, Jesus. So I, you know, and just like what his truth said in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, he made the way for for us. Right. Right? Each morning. Mm -hmm. I go in and I take communion, right? I give thanks to Jesus for putting his seal on my heart, his signature on my forehead, for robing me in his righteousness and crowning me with his glory. It's what I put on each day to remind me of who I am in in Christ Jesus. And I do this each time I take communion so that I thoroughly examine what Jesus has done for me so I never take it for granted. That's so good. You know? Yes. All right, so the next uh, piece of armor is the shoes for the gospel of peace. Ephesians 6.15 says, For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. Right. So peace is an attribute of the Lord's very person and character. In Greek, peace means oneness or wholeness. So the gospel, which means good news, is the forgiveness of sins and access to the oneness with God through faith in Christ. This oneness with the Lord produces the peace. 
And Ephesians repeatedly reminds us to stand and stand firm. Yes. One of the easiest ways for the enemy to succeed in shaking us loose from standing firm is to tempt us with worry. Oh, wow. You know, when we carry anxiousness, right, or worry with us, we're robbed of Of peace. peace. Yeah. But the gospel of peace keeps our feet anchored and standing firm. Wow. Wow. (laughs) That's good. Yeah, it is. I'd just like to add some more details to the shoes of peace. Mm -hmm. And um, Roman soldiers wore special shoes for warfare. They were thick-soled, hobnailed sandals with wide leather straps. These sandals provided better traction during battle and gave soldiers a foundation that would protect their feet from injury and from traps set by the enemy. As soldiers of Christ, we too must have solid footing for warfare, the preparation of the gospel of peace. We believers are not in a battle against people, but against the realm of the devil powers. So it's important to be equipped with the inner peace produced by the gospel of Christ. Mm -hmm. In Ephesians 2.14, it says, Christ is our peace. Jesus comes to us in the midst of life battle. When the struggle against the temptation or the discouragement of life seem impossible, and he speaks peace to us. He gives the encouragement that keeps our morale up. Right. Mm-hmm. That is the foundation on which we must fight, the shoes of peace. Yeah. That's good. How can we minister to others in this world of woe and warfare if our own hearts are upset that we seem no different from anyone else? Yeah. It's like going into battle barefoot, grimacing in pain as the rocks of anxiety press into our tender feet. Mm-hmm. Just as the right boots protect our souls, the peace of the gospel protects our Souls, S-O-U-L-S. That's good. The good news of Christ brings composure to our lives. It puts hard leather between us and the jagged stones of fear and doubt. The Bible constantly tells us, do not fret, do not fear, do not let your hearts be troubled, do not be anxious, don't be discouraged. It will help us a great deal to go into daily warfare shod, in other words, wearing shoes with divine peace. Mm Mm-hmm. A great method that helped me appropriate this peace is by memorizing scripture. Scripture is the word of peace. When I get the word of God in my life, for example, in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yep. Or in Matt 19, Matthew 19.26, with God, all things are possible. That's right. It's scriptures like these that help me deal with the inevitable problems and stresses of life. In Isaiah 26.3, it says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. As we grow in Christ, we grow in our ability to experience the peace of God. Yeah, I just want to share an example of a dream that I had. You know, in my past, I had a huge stronghold of fear, worry, and anxiety at work in my life. And the Lord gave me many, many dreams to help me view how I was living in fear and how to work through that. And God was giving me dreams to see myself like in a whole new way. One of the dreams he gave me was I saw myself in this hotel room, and I was cooking my own food on a little hot plate in the room. And I went over to the window to look and see where I was. And as I looked out the window, I saw the Eiffel Tower and the city of city lights, you know, of Paris, France. And I thought to myself, I'm in Paris, you well, know, have like you ever that been was to Paris. No, okay, I've this, never been to Paris, <laughs> and it was just exciting, you know. Wow. I'm like, I'm going places. <laughs> I wanted to slide into your dream sometime. <laughs> and then I went over to where my, my suitcase was sitting out on, like on a, a bench. And I opened it up and it was full of shoes. Like no clothes, just shoes. Typical woman. 
There were high heels, tennis shoes, hiking boots. I mean, just the whole suitcase was entirely only filled with shoes. That's good. And after I woke up from the dream, after getting interpretation, the Lord was showing me that no matter where he sent me and no matter what he called me to do, he would always prepare me and fill me with his peace and that I had nothing to worry about. This dream gave me such confidence and there was just an excitement in my heart, you know, for the adventures that God was going to give to me. Wow. That was that was a, a very wow. encouraging uplifting. Yes. Because I had a fear about the future. Right. I had a, a fear, you know, because God told me I was going to write and all this stuff. And, and that was years ago. And but I had it was like, wait, my life's going to look different. Yeah. My life's going to change. What's that mean? Scary. And, you and think it, about it being scary yeah. instead of it being, well, this is what God's calling you to do. So that's peaceful. Right. And so it filled me with this fear. Oh, and yeah. That was the enemy. Yeah. He yeah. doesn't want you doing what God Right, exactly. You know, I'm like, I have an adventurous spirit, but then fear holds you back from doing things, you know? Mm -hmm. That dream just gave me such encouragement and um, security in knowing he'll take care of everything. Yeah. Don't worry about it, Laura, I've got it. (laughs) So the next piece of armor is the shield of faith. Ephesians 6.16 in verse 16 says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. You know, when Paul wrote this passage, Roman soldiers carried shields that were covered like with like a heavy animal hide. And before a battle, they would dip their shields into the water so that when fiery darts hit them, the wet hide would extinguish the darts. And similarly, a Christian's shield of faith needs to be regularly dipped in the water of God's word to be replenished and fully functional, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Mark 9, 24 says, the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my belief. That was, you know, in one of the instances in the New Testament when Jesus was talking to this man and he's talking about faith, but he's like, give me the faith to overcome my unbelief. So even if we have little faith, we can ask God to increase our capacity for having more faith to help us and strengthen us. Right. Yes. You know, I found some more interesting information on the shield of faith. Mm -hmm. Roman battle shields were often four feet tall, two feet wide, and covered with thick leather and metal that could deflect incoming arrows. Wow, I did not know that those shields were four feet tall. Yeah. I mean, that's big. Huge. Yeah. I I, mean, it's a lot to carry. They've got to be, they've got to be really heavy, Mm -hmm. you know? And they would, they would, that would cover their almost their whole body. Yeah, they had. I guess they had to hunker down behind it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. But man, right? That, yeah, that's bigger than I thought. And those arrows were often tipped with leather, dipped in pitch, which is like tar, and lit it on fire. Wow! The shield protected the soldiers from these flying, fiery darts. For the Christian, the shield for battle is faith, like you said, Laura. In mm-hmm. fact, faith is the key to all spiritual armor. And God gave faith to us to deflect the fiery darts of Satan, darts that have one purpose, to produce doubt, distress of mind, depression of spirit, and disappointment in relationships, in work, or in yourself. Mm -hmm. Scripture promises us that this shield is sufficient to repel even the enemy's best shot. Without the defense, however, we are very vulnerable. Satan knows where the joints and cracks are between our pieces of armor, and that's where he aims. Mm. If we're not protecting ourselves with the shield of faith, Satan can take us out. 
How do I arm myself with the shield of faith? Well, first of all, it's not our faith. It's the faith God gives us. That's right. Right? So even our faith is a gift from God. Yes. Our faith in Jesus Christ is our shield, and we are to take up the shield of faith. You know, I was going to say real quick, in one of, I, I can't tell you where it's in the Bible, but I know it's, it says that God deposits the faith in us. Like you said, it's yes. a gift, right? Yeah. So if knowing that... It's that, a measure of faith, right? Right. Yeah. He right. gives to each one a measure of faith. Right. That's the scripture. Yeah. And so knowing that, you can ask God to increase the measure of your faith. Wow. So think about it. So, so again, the more you know God's word, the more you can even pray strategically. Oh, he loves it when you quote it back to him. Right. right. Lord, your word says right. this. Your word says this. And God's not a liar. And I need more faith, so I'm asking you to deposit more faith yeah. in me. Can you put a, a bigger deposit in my bank? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am quoting your word, Lord. You, I know that you're not a liar, so you right. got to do what your word says. Right. Yeah. I just so thought surprised. I'd add that because I was yeah. like, wait a minute now. If we know the word, That's right. <laughs> we can we can strategically ask for these yes. things. <laughs> yeah. With Boldness. You right. Wanna, you exactly. want to impress God, do that. <laughs> faith has to be appropriated by arming ourselves with the truth about God and who He is so that for every fiery dart Satan sends our way, we'll have a solid answer, a relevant truth, or an applicable verse that we should use to resist Him. Right. We need to take what God has given us in the promises of His Word and mine it like a gold mine from the truths that will help us live with victory. When we know what we believe, we are actively strengthening our shield of faith so that it will be unable to be affected to any attack Satan sends our way. Some examples of fiery darts are that Satan might come after us with a dart of discouragement, mistrust, telling us to doubt our faith, darts of lust, and lust can be about anything, right? Yeah, like yeah. it could be shopping, obsessed with working out, right. eating, materialism. Right. Darts of lies, rumors, gossip, jealousies, covetousness, and many other temptations. Mm -hmm. Satan wants to destroy our lives. However, when we arm ourselves with the shield of faith, we are able to quench every dart he sends our way. Roman soldiers in Paul's day would lock their shields together and hunker down behind them as a defense against a rain of enemy arrows. Then, as they moved forward, the soldiers would use the linked shields as a defensive wall. And we've already spoken about how big they are. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. This is the shield of faith that can be used in community, the community of faith. The interlocking of shields is a visual of God's people coming together in church, in small groups, in home groups, Bible studies, and so on, to both withstand the enemy and help one another. It's unity. Yes, it is. Right. The word unity kept coming about. Mm -hmm. Right. So we are to watch one another's backs so that all of us are better protected from and prepared for the raining darts of the enemy. That's good. good. <laughs> all right, so the next piece of armor is the helmet of salvation. And Ephesians 17, 617 says, and take the helmet of salvation. So salvation comes the moment we place our trust in Jesus' death and resurrection and the payment for our sin. But salvation is also worked out through a lengthy process of sanctification. You know, the helmet of salvation, like the breastplate of righteousness, it rests on the work of Christ to save us, but also involves us as we journey with the Lord to allow Him to work that salvation into every part of our our thoughts. The battlefield of our mind is the primary place spiritual battle is fought. The Lord works His freeing truth into our perspectives while the enemy fights for strongholds to bind us. Mm. 
And one of the best, you know, daily devotionals I used to use for many, many years was a book called by Oswald Chambers, and it was entitled My Utmost for His Highest. This devotional is all about understanding what it means to be sanctified so by God. Good, that yeah, devotional. I, I highly recommend it. Yeah, y'all talked about it before. Yeah, I, think my, I need to get it. Yeah, my parents gave it to me as a graduation gift. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, and then uh, I began to read it, and then when I was teaching, you know, with, with youth for 24 years, you know, yeah. for a long time we taught, you know, co-ed senior Sunday school class. Right. And at the uh, end of the year, I always gave my utmost for his highest to all the students because it really was something that would help them on their spiritual journey and become stronger, mature mature in their faith. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Love it. I yeah. think that's where I learned when that God gives us our gift of faith. He gives us with faith. Yeah, through yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Because, right. you know, sanct- sanctification is an act of being made holy. Right. It's the act of God's grace by which the affections of men are purified and set apart from the world and lifted up to, you know, a supreme love of God. Yeah. It's the process of being set apart for a sacred purpose or, you know, being so- consecrated to God. That's good. Yeah. And adding to some information on the helmet of salvation, the Roman soldier's helmet was obviously designed to protect his head. So it's easy to see the parallel helmet of salvation protecting the believer's mind from Satan's attacks. But the helmet of salvation is more than simply knowing that you're a Christian. Mm -hmm. It's a much bigger picture. The helmet of salvation reaches far beyond the moment of salvation. It's about the whole scope of salvation, past, present, and future. The enemy's constantly trying to wear down our defenses and corrupt our minds with temptation and rationalization and false teaching. Anything to confuse our thinking about God and His purposes for our lives. Our only defense is to have the benefit of a mind that has lived in and conquered this world, and that is the mind of Christ. When we put on the helmet of salvation, we put on the mind of Christ and the wisdom of God. Christ wants to equip us with his plans, his thoughts, his concepts, his truth, and our relationship with him. Yes. And with him, we can stand strong against Satan's furious attacks. Right. So, how do I arm myself with the helmet of salvation? The mind is the most fiercely attacked battleground in all spiritual warfare. No kidding. Right? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. We have to guard our minds every moment from Satan to make sure he does not slip in and plant seeds of carnal, sinful thinking. And in order to do that, the Bible says we need God's helmet, his wisdom. So how do we get God's wisdom? In 1 Corinthians one twenty four, Paul says that Jesus Christ has become for us the power of God and the wisdom of God. As we put on Jesus Christ, he becomes the wisdom of God to us. Mm. So good. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Therefore, the helmet of salvation is the wisdom of God revealed in Christ. This wisdom is available to every believer through prayer and reading of God's word. In James 1.5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. I like this definition of wisdom by Trumper Longman, an Old Testament scholar. Wisdom is the skill of living. It's a practical knowledge that helps one know how to act and how to speak in different situations. That's good. I like that. Mm-hmm. So the next piece of armor is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Ephesians 6.17 says, And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, just yep. like it says. <laughs> yeah. 
The explanation of this piece of armor is right there in the verse. It is the word of God, and it's the only piece of armor that is both defensive and offensive. So when we're tempted, the most effective weapon that God has given to us as believers is the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, which we've been talking about this whole episode. Right. Jesus modeled this so beautifully during his temptation in the wilderness. When the devil tried temptation after temptation against him, Jesus used the sword of the Spirit. When the devil tempted him three times, Jesus responded with the truth of God's word every time. And he would always respond to the devil with the words, no, the scriptures say, you know. (laughs) In your face. Uh, Right. It's like, (laughs) no, that's not what it says. (laughs) And you can read about that in uh, Luke 4, 1 through 13. That's all And we can do the same thing, you know. That's Mm -hmm. what we're supposed to do. When we know that we're being attacked by the enemy, we quote that scripture. No. Satan, the scripture says this. Right, right. So right. go back. Again, out. the more you know the word, the more you can counteract exactly. those attacks. Yes. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. So to follow up with you, Laura, on the sword of the spirit, within God's armory, we have only one offensive weapon to use in battle against the evil one. Yeah. Like you said, in Ephesians six seventeen, it says it's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. When Paul wrote to the Ephesians, he used the Greek word makaira, for sword. He wasn't talking about what we would think of as a word today. He was talking about a dagger, a weapon that people used in hand-to-hand combat, a precision-oriented instrument. Yeah. The word of God in this passage is not the whole Bible logos, but a particular word. It's like a promise or rhema word, a specific spoken word of God for your unique situation. It's yes. good. For example, the Bible is an armory in which the individual swords of the Spirit are kept until you need them for close combat with the enemy. But unlike a material sword that pierces the body, the spiritual sword pierces the heart. A material sword gets duller as you use it, but a spiritual sword gets sharper every time you use it. That's good. These swords are found in the Bible, and like Jesus in the desert, like you said, Laura, while tempted, it is written. It is written. Mm-hmm. That's what he said. Yep. Yep. And, you know, it's helped me. I have like a million index cards in my prayer room. <laughs> That's very Susan. <laughs> and I write. Very Susan of you. <laughs> yes. I write in Sharpie marker, you know, in letters, Bible verses relating to areas in my life where Satan loves to tempt me. Mm-hmm. Right. And I try to learn them by heart so I can be ready to use them when the enemy attacks. Right. You know, and when Paul instructs us to take up the sword of the Spirit, he's letting us know that in this battle, the enemy will sometimes seem to be close, in fact, right in your face. This can be compared to an opponent trying to block a shot in a basketball game. The opposing player will often stick his body, face, or hands in the offensive player's face so that the offensive player will become disoriented and unable to advance. So I hated basketball. I know. (laughs) They were always all over me. I'm like, get off me. (laughs) (laughs) And I had to run back and forth. I I was like, ah. My favorite part was just making the basket, making the shots. (laughs) Satan doesn't want you or me to send the ball through the net for two points. So to discourage this, he brings his battle, your particular stronghold, as close to you as possible. Get out of my face. (laughs) Exactly. Oftentimes, that means your battle is being waged within you, in your mind, will, emotions, and body. How do I arm myself with the sword of the Spirit? The Bible is full of swords of the Spirit. Most Christians today go to the New Testament, but all three scriptures Jesus used when he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness was from the Old Testament. Right. 
They were in Deuteronomy. Yep. Mm-hmm. When we memorize scripture from the Bible, we don't have to depend on always having a Bible around. We'll be able to reach into our memory banks and pull out exact swords we need to defeat the enemy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or your stack of index cards. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hebrews 4.12 presents a graphic portrayal of the power of the Word of God as a sword. Ancient double-edged swords were available because they cut both ways, on the downstroke and the backstroke. Their sharpness of their points and blades ensured deep penetration into an enemy's body, even to the marrow, the innermost part of the human bone. Similarly, the Word of God is effective in all directions. Instead of separating joints and marrow, the sword goes to the heart of the soul and spirit. Like a soldier's sword, the Word of God is active only when it's taken up and used. That's so good. You know, I just want to say, too, it's, it, you know, I'm joking about the index cards, but think about today. There's so much literature. There's so much available to us. Mm-hmm. Our phones, our, the scriptures on our phones. Mm-hmm. Like, years ago, they didn't have... Right. We didn't have that in hand all the time. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It was writing. We had to write it down. Mm-hmm. Right. And most times memorize it yeah. and, you right. know, but... So, yeah, yep. write it or type it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. You know, I, I can bring in an example. Like one time I remember I was in the middle, it was the middle of the day, and I was at home all alone. You know, my boys were in school, my husband was at work, and I was doing my Bible study. You know, I was reading, and um, I got up in the middle of my Bible study, and I went to go get something in another room. And as I walked down the hallway, all of a sudden, I came face to face with the spirit of doubt. I mean, the actual spirit of doubt. And this attack came out of nowhere. I was definitely not expecting such a strong attack while I'm in the middle of studying God's Word, right? Right. right. But the only way I could describe this experience to you is that as I stood there in the hallway, I saw all the ground around me disappear and fall away from me, except for the ground that was right underneath my feet. And then my mind was flooded with the strongest sensation of doubt I've ever experienced. Yeah. It was like... Everything I'd ever believed and known about God was just kind of like sucked out of me instantly. And I stood there stunned, like empty and bewildered on how to even think. Like I didn't even know how to think the next thought. Right. But then just as suddenly as the attack of doubt and unbelief came on me, God's truth just like rose up really strong inside of me. And I burst out shouting out loud. And I said this, I said, no, I believe that when Joshua prayed that God would stop the sun in the middle of the day. So they could defeat their enemies. God did it. Like, did. It was like, yes. you know, and I, because that's what I was studying at the time. Yeah. In my Bible study, it was about Joshua 10, 12 through 13. And, and I must have been thinking about that when I was being attacked. It was like, it just was like this resolute, you know, explosion inside of me of the scripture saying, no, I believe the word, you know, wow. I believe the truth. And I'm not sure why this spirit of doubt attacked me so strongly and dramatically that day, but God definitely used it for my good, and I passed that test. Wow. You know? Wow. Praise God. That's amazing. You know, I, I mean, like the enemy didn't want you doing that Bible study. Yeah. Right. And that's how, that's how fast he can come at you. Yes. Right. You know? He, he wants to come in and, and disrupt and destroy Distract. your process. Oh, yeah. Take everything out of you. You're right. Just suck yeah. the life out of mm-hmm. you. That's exactly yeah. good at You know, another thing I want to bring up about is the, it says pray always and pray in the spirit. Yeah. You know, most times when people describe the armor of God, they leave that verse 18 out. Because in verse 618, it says, pray always, pray in the spirit. 
Pray about everything in every way you know how. And keep all this in mind. Pray on behalf of God's people. Keep on praying feverishly and be on the lookout until evil has been stayed. You know, personally, prayer has been and always will be a number one priority in my life. And the Word of God says to pray without ceasing in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. So, but many Christians, you know, they'll skip over this part where it says pray in the Spirit. Yeah. You know, and as I've, I've been a lifelong Christian since I was seven years old, and I looked at that verse many, many times over the years, and there was what I would call like a roadblock in my mind regarding that verse, and, and many other times when Paul would tell us in the Scriptures, you know, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. And I would read the Scriptures over and over, knowing full well I was absolutely filled with the Holy Spirit, and what, you know, He worked powerfully through me, right? Right. But many of my, um, believe me, well-meaning friends whom I, I dearly love, who'd been taught in their denomination that if you didn't pray in tongues, which is the ability to pray a heavenly language empowered by the Holy Spirit, that it was an indication that you weren't filled with the Holy Spirit. And I felt a lot of condemnation over that. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, well, what's wrong with me? Why can't I do this? You know? And the more I re-examined the scriptures, I knew I was a spirit-filled believer. But I wanted more, honestly. Personally, I wanted more. Right. I wanted all that God could, you know, ever give me or, or I could ever ask for or hope for, as the scriptures say. I wanted to experience the fullness and all that the Holy Spirit could, you know, empower me with. And I want to say something there because you know that's so true. So you wanted more. So you yeah. you got the part where you understood that you were Holy Spirit empowered by the Holy Spirit, all those things. Right. But you wanted the more, and so that was the Holy Spirit working out that detail in you, that doubt, that mm-hmm. that condemnation, because mm-hmm. right. He wants you to want to have the more. Right. He wants to give us but everything. You got to work out that thing within you. That's an internal battle. Yeah. That we right. all go through. Mm-hmm. You know, because I went through it too fighting the whole speaking in tongues thing, too. Oh, yeah. So it's just amazing how he works in us individually. It's different for everybody. Thing about, too, is another way the enemy was attacking my identity. Right. You know, and who I was in Christ and identifying myself with the truth of God's word, all of the truth, all of it. I wanted all of it. Yes. You know, right. And it wasn't until, you know, like last year when the Holy Spirit helped me to receive my prayer language. You know, in Bible study, we'd been studying about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and and how He distributes, you know, to us when we become believers. Right. And our Bible study leader did a great job, really good job of explaining this plainly to us once again. You know, yes. Tell me and teach me one more time. Yes. You know, and I just I just uh, prayed. You know, and I, I had prayed many many times before, but this time with a different mindset. Yes. And I prayed and I asked the Holy Spirit to just empower me to pray in his heavenly language so that I might glorify God even more so while I'm praying. That's good. To enhance my prayers, yes. you know. So since then I've learned that when the enemy is attacking me, I can pray in the spirit and I can receive revelatory knowledge in knowing exactly what to rebuke and how to pray more effectively. And I know with a shadow of a doubt any doubt that God would never want anyone to ever feel rejected or not good enough because they've never prayed in tongues, that right? Condemnation. Yes. Right. If you've ever felt that way, know that it's the voice of condemnation like we talked about and it's not from God. Right. God never condemns us. He loves us and he leads us into the fullness of himself through only love because God is love. Yes. Right. And my advice is that if you want that gifting or ability, then just ask him. And it'll be given to you, just as Jesus tells us in his word. There is therefore no condemnation. 
for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's so good. You know, I used to think I would never be able to speak in tongues too. And I saw other people doing it, you know, and I desired it, Mm -hmm. but I just didn't think I would ever get it. Right. I was persistent though. And I kept praying and asking the Lord about it. And just like you, Laura, I finally started speaking in tongues. Right. And it's a blessing. It is. And it's helped me tremendously in my walk with God. Well, it's a curious thing too, when you don't have it and you hear other people praying. Right devoutly in it yeah. you know you you wonder oh and it's the first time you've ever heard it right mm-hmm. it's very odd it is i thought that was odd too and then it was more of a reverence like that person understanding that yes. the holy spirit speaking through that it was a reverence for that person and not god so I, it's, again it was going back and working out the details of the holy spirit working all those things yes. that i'm processing in my mind about that and letting him work that out so I can understand what it's used for and why it's so important. And right. it is, it's it's more for personal edification. Yes. It's it's not about you, you know, praying in tongues. Oh, look, I can pray in tongues. No. no. It's for your personal prayer time. It's for you allowing the Holy Spirit to pray through you the things right. of God. Yes. You know. And, and the enemy cannot hear. He cannot, or he can hear, but he can't understand it. He can't. He cannot right. understand. Right. And this is between you and the Holy Spirit. That's right. Exactly. You communion with God. Right. That's basically it. Yes. <laughs> beautiful thing all right back to the armor of god right (laughs) so we need a strategy a game plan so we know what we need to do in every situation that the enemy throws at us so laura and susan have both talked about the armor of god which is imperative in the fight that we're in but i also want to give you some other strategies that will aid in defeating our enemy and some of it may overlap a little bit with laura and susan's information just want to throw that out there and I found some of those, or some of these, on iBelieve.com. The name of the article is How to Resist and Defeat the Enemy Schemes. So the armor of God, we've, we've been talking about, it, it's at the top of the list. And Laura and Susan cover that extensively. But it's important to know that it's important to know what that means and how you can apply it in your life. So right. here are some other ways or strategies. The first one is resist Satan by submitting to God. In James four seven, it says, "Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you." The enemy's power is never a match for God's strength and might, and he knows how much we need his miraculous covering of power and protection in our lives. So we are to submit to God and come under his authority. It's the only way that we can discern the ruthless ruthless schemes of evil. We need to stay close to God and within the covering of his protection and care. And we are to resist the devil, and he will flee. By God's power, the enemy will will run. We don't have to battle in our own strength, which I love. I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Resist the devil by being self-controlled and alert. First Peter 5, 8-9 says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone or something to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Stay close to God's presence so that the fruits of his spirit are evident in your life. Don't be caught off guard. Every day, the enemy is trying to devour and destroy. He is waiting for that moment that you lose focus. Don't let him in. All right, and another one is the Word of God. It's our weapon. Fill your mind with God's truth. It helps to prepare your life for battle every day. God arms us with the sword, the Word of God, to stand against Satan's lies. It's powerful enough to crush the devil's schemes and silence his accusing attacks. God's Word is the best way to defeat the enemy. And y'all covered that that one really well. Mm-hmm. And then the third one, fight the enemy's temptations through the power of prayer. Never underestimate the power of prayer. Praying God's words back to him is a strong and mighty weapon against the enemy. God's word reminds us that God is in control and that he knows our way and understands what we face today. It builds our faith and trust in him. It guards our hearts and focuses our minds back on him. 
and it wins the battle. So when you pray, pray in the name of Jesus. It is his name that holds power over the evil spiritual forces that we face. Yes. If you've ever been abruptly woken up in the middle of the night and you feel fear and you're not sure why you're sensing or feeling it, just say, Lord Jesus, help me. And he will. And I use that example because I've experienced it myself several different times and it has worked every single time. Mm-hmm. All I got to do is say the name of the Jesus. Yep. Yeah. And if you're being tempted to sin, look up the scriptures that pertain to your specific struggle and begin to pray. The Lord will help you. And if you give in to the temptation, repent, ask for forgiveness, and keep praying until you overcome. God is not going to give up on you, so don't give up on him. And then the next one is fight back with the Spirit of God. Zechariah 4, uh, verse 6. Not by my might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. We have God's Holy Spirit living in us. By ourselves, we are never a match for the battles that we face with the enemy. But God equips us with his power, wisdom, and discernment through his own spirit to stay strong in the battle. Believe in his ability to work mightily through you, for his power is never based on us or on our own abilities. He reminds us that because of him, in our weakness, we are strong, and we are more than conquerors through Christ. And the next one is, you are a conqueror through the blood of Jesus, his authority and the word or your testimony. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Know your authority. It was given to you when Jesus died on the cross. And in Christ, we are forgiven. We are set free. We have his mighty power working within us. We are more than conquerors through Christ. We are overcomers in this life because he has overcome. And our lives are hidden in Christ with God. So no enemy or obstacle can touch our souls. And when we have been set free by the blood of Christ and the power of his sacrifice by death on the cross, we have a new identity in him. We've been bought with a price. We are not our own. We are covered by the grace and forgiveness of Jesus. We live victorious and no demon or darkness can ever separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ our Lord. There is power in the name of Jesus. The enemy has to flee every single time you say his name. And then the last one is worship. Make the enemy flee through the power of praise. Second Chronicles twenty twenty two says, As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of, of is it Ammon? Ammon and Moab? Ammon. Mm-hmm. Ammon, okay. Mm-hmm. And Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. And Acts sixteen twenty five through 26 says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. I love that. Isn't that awesome? That's so great. Yeah, and it just goes to show you, the enemy does not like it when we worship and praise our God. Right. Right. right? So praise and worship will make the enemy flee. It pushes back the darkness that surrounds. It blocks the attacks and breaks off the chains. Evil will not stick around if we're praising our God, who will fight our battles for us. In the powerful story of Jehoshaphat, we see God miraculously defeat the enemy because of the people's obedience to praise him. Right. Praise and worship will pave the way for God's power to be displayed and for miracles to happen. God shakes things up through praise. As Paul and Silas sat in prison, shackled and chained, they kept right on praising God, and God sent an earthquake that shook the cells and broke those chains. I just love it. Me too. The jailer and all his entire family came to know Christ that very night out of darkness into light, or into the light. Praise and worship are powerful against the enemy. 
the you devil. Know, I was gonna, real go quick, ahead. I was going to say. Yeah, go ahead. The reason that the jailer, you know, if you read that passage, that he, he and his family came to Christ. Right. Is because even though the doors of the jail were open and they mm. could have left, they didn't leave. They stayed there. Yeah. Being obedient. And so because they stayed there, you know, if they, if they would have gotten away. Right. By law, the jailer would have to kill himself. Yeah. Because it was his responsibility to keep them, you know, he in jail. He probably would have been murdered, right? Right. Yeah. Well, at, you know, either kill himself or, or be, be killed, right. right? And so because they stayed there and they protected his life, he came to Christ and so did his whole family. Isn't that's, that cool? That's that so cool. is so great. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Because, you know, the, in that praise and worship, you are, you know who's in charge. Right. Right. And, you know, you're giving all the glory to God. Right. And it just changes people's hearts. It sure does. Yes. You know, I just wanted to add that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So the devil is always working, right? Mm -hmm. Trying to come up with his next plan to take you out. But what you have in you is more powerful than any scheme the enemy has plotted against you. So put on the full armor of God. Resist Satan. Know God's word. It is your weapon. Pray, pray, pray. Mm -hmm. Fight back with the spirit of God. Understand your authority. Worship God. Praise His holy name. Use everything that God's word says is available to you to defeat the enemy. God will not fail you. He is cheering you on and wants to see you exercising every tool you have in your arsenal to defeat the enemy. The armor of God is very much needed in every single aspect of our lives. We must defeat our enemy. And to do that, we put on the full armor of God every single day so we may continuously deflect the many arrows that he throws at us all right it's time to close (laughs) we hope you enjoyed this week's discussion on the armor of god next week our topic will be praying the prodigals home so please join us and we just want to close with this scripture from isaiah 41 10 don't be afraid for i'm with you don't be discouraged for i am your god i will strengthen you and help you and i will hold you up with my victorious right hand All right. Today's episode was edited by Caitlin Beck. We so appreciate all you do for us, Caitlin. We want to reference Dr. David Jeremiah's book, Spiritual Warfare. And we mentioned a few articles, so we will put the links in the notes section of this episode. Before you go, we invite you to please leave a written review anywhere you listen to this podcast. The more positive reviews we receive will lead to more listeners that God can reach. Also, please subscribe. We would appreciate it very much. And we just want to thank you for allowing us to pour pure truth into you today. And we'd love to hear from you. So email us at puretruthpodcast3, that's the number three, at gmail.com. All right. And please visit our websites. Mine is kathyzaka.com. Mine is laurapotter.us. And mine is susanoffen.com. And we hope you'll join us next time. And remember, live thirsty. Thank you. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. And may his face shine upon you and give you his peace. All right. Until next time. Susan. Laura. And Kathy. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an electric cast production. Electric acid.
Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Electric acid.